0: Over the last uh, several weeks, we have been looking through the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is, is really communicating to a group of people who are divided. They're constantly fighting with one another. And it's not unlike our culture today and even our church culture today. Because so many of us find ourselves fighting with one another. And especially right now, in the political season that we find ourselves in... We find ourselves discussing and battling over things that we believe are of utmost importance, and yet we've placed that above the most important thing. We've, we've, we've taken uh, one of the, the least important things and made it the most important thing, and we've demoted uh, the role of the gospel, the role that Jesus plays in our lives. And so, uh, what the Apostle Paul has been addressing here is he's been addressing these people, and really, there's a fight that's going on in this church. There's these people who are strong; they have uh, strong convictions. They are people who uh, know the um, know the gospel. They know theology. They know uh, what what that's all about, and so they don't have a problem eating meat that had formerly been sacrificed to an idol it was from an idol uh, worship ceremony and so they they know in their minds and in their hearts because uh, and the apostle paul confirms this that that there is no problem with that because uh, idols are not real gods they're they're it's just a chunk of wood or a chunk of metal and so it doesn't really make any difference and so the apostle paul is speaking uh, to these strong people and he's saying i know that you know that that's okay but there's people who are in your church who don't know that that It's okay, and when they eat that meat, when they see you eating that meat or at an, uh, an idol temple, which is essentially just a central gathering place like a church is today, when they see you in that place... They are wounded in a way, and they end up falling away from uh, Jesus, and they end up getting back into idolatry, which was a part of their former life. And so the Apostle Paul has been speaking to them about this, but then he kind of goes in in chapter 9 with uh, saying this in verse 12, about halfway through. He says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure everything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And so what Paul says is this, is he says, I know that you think that you're right on with your theology and everything, but you're forgetting one thing, and that is that the way that you're acting, strong people, people that know your rights and so forth, I know that you think that you're in the right, but the reality is is that you are putting an obstacle between these people and the gospel. Like you're keeping them from being able to receive the gospel and to live in that and to have that uh, permeate their life. And what Paul is speaking to here is something that every single one of us struggles with at times. And that is that we think that the, the gospel is for me and we forget about We we think that the gospel is just for me and we come to the scriptures and we and if you're doing a quiet time if you read your bible uh, ever which I want to encourage you to read your bible on a regular basis especially uh, well anyone but especially if you're beginning in the faith that you should begin reading the scriptures on a regular basis but the problem is is that we as selfish individualized people uh, Americans we come to everything and we think, this is about me. And it is to some degree, but it is really about we. Because God is not just saving a person, he's saving a people. And so what we do is we come to the scriptures and we turn into me monsters. And we just go, me! You know, this is all about me, this is about my life. What is it, what is it saying to me? And so we begin these Uh, times with the Lord, and we think it's just about me, and we forget about the rest of the people around us. And Paul is saying to these people, he's saying, let me paraphrase it for you, you're a bunch of selfish jerks. You're selfish. You're constantly thinking about yourself, and you're never thinking about the larger body of people that are a part of your church. But he's going to expand that now and he's going he's to say this. He's going to say, I have not made use of my rights. There's a lot of things that I could do that I don't do. It would be right for me to do them, but I don't do them in order for me to share the gospel. In order for me to communicate to people what is most important from the scriptures. And here's the problem that many of us have. We come to the scriptures and we believe it's about me. Me. And we miss this incredible gospel that's in there. Do, do you know the songs that we sing on Sunday morning are meant to drive you to worship of God in his gospel? And some of us come to worship and we say, I don't necessarily feel that way. In fact, I as a young man, when I came to uh, a worship gathering where we'd, you know, where worship was communicated through singing and through uh, the teaching of the word, I would say, I don't feel like that. I can't raise my hands like that. I can't be that kind of person that is involved in that until I realized that the the idea of worship is this, is that, God, this is what you have done for me, and so I am going to train my heart to worship you on a regular basis. And when that worship erupts, and when I become someone who is worshipful for what God has done for me, then something else happens in my life. Something else happens in my life, and that is that I want this for other people, and that's what Paul is going to say. He says in verse 19, we're going to pick it up right there. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. He's talking about Old Testament law, not, you know, civil authority, uh, the laws of our state and so forth. He's talking about. Old Testament law that's been fulfilled in Jesus. And so he says that I might win those under the law to those outside of the law. He's talking about people who have no religious concept. They're pagans. They do whatever they want. They worship gods, fertility gods. They go have sex in the temple with temple prostitutes. They, they uh, worship these things. He's saying for those that are uh, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law and he's kind of clarifying there he's saying i'm not like a full-on greek and engage in those things but i'm somebody who I identifies with them he says to the weak i became weak that i might win the weak. i have become all things to all people that by all means i might save some i do it all for the sake of the gospel that i may share with them in its blessings Both of these two sections, the one about the race and the one about to the Jews I became like a Jew, are common scriptures that are used in Christianity. So if you haven't been around for a little while, or, 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 or you don't know that, that's okay. But both of these scriptures are scriptures that are commonly used. Now the second one is really uh, often taken out of context, where he says, uh, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat—whoa, I'm in the wrong passage altogether, okay— uh, <laughs> All right. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So Paul, at the end of this, he says, I, I've become all things to all people, and then he goes into this thing about the race, and what Paul is talking about is he's saying, I want you to understand that everything that I'm doing is for these, is for these people, these people that I'm trying to reach, but then he goes into this idea about this race, so run this race so that you're not disqualified. We, you know, The people who are athletes, they run for a perishable wreath, which was oftentimes made out of celery. He says, but we run for an imperishable wreath. And oftentimes we look at that and we say, you know what? That is to me about my personal morality. That is to me about my personal morality. Now, to be sure, there are scriptures that are speaking primarily about that. But the Apostle Paul's point is not personal morality there. The Apostle Paul's point is this. He's saying there are people who uh, we are trying to reach, who I am trying to reach, and I want you to run that race effectively. I want you to run that race effectively, and I want you to go after this, and I, and I want you uh, to, uh, to study and to pray and to work hard like an athlete and not be somebody who's aimless in their Christianity. And here's the thing. So many of us are aimless in what we're doing. So many of us are aimless in that, in fact, we don't have an aim. In our Christianity, in our understanding of the Word of God. In fact, what's really going on is that it is about me. And so we create, we look at this passage, we say it's all about me, and we forget about the context that the Apostle Paul is talking about reaching people with the gospel. And he's saying, I want you to strive after reaching people for the gospel. But instead of getting that, we say, okay, it's all about me and it's about my personal morality. Now, that's a given, and yes, that's part of it, but that is not his point. That's not his point. His point is this, is that too many times Christian people do not pick up the call to preach the gospel in their culture. Or they do it too soon. They do it too soon. How do they do it too soon? Well, look at what Paul says in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. The Apostle Paul is saying this. He's saying, I am not enslaved to anyone. I don't owe anybody anything. The whole problem uh, before you come to know Jesus is that there's a slavery issue. It's that you and I cannot help but be worshipers of our things. We're constantly worshiping things. And when you worship something, when you over-worship something, when you give something more worship than what God has called you uh, to give, or any worship at all, instead of worshiping him, worshiping God with that thing, what happens is this, is that it destroys your life. And so what can happen is this, is that you can worship other people. You can worship approval from other people. You're somebody who's always asking the question, "What what do you think of me? What do you think of me? What do you think of me? And you're always basing yourself on what other people think. Or you're going after sex continually. And like sex is your goal, it is your God. It becomes the thing that you desire more than anything. And so you worship that thing and you bow down to that thing and you give up other things for it. You can do that with money. You can do that with relationships. You can do that with your job. And what happens in your job is this is that when you worship your job and you say, You are the most important thing for me, and instead of worshiping God with your job, what happens is this is that your job becomes the most important thing to you, and relationships and your family and your kids fall by the wayside. And as a result, what takes place is that broken families exist. See, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, that he says, for although I am free from all, he's saying that, that what needs to take place in our life is that we have got to be freed from all of the encumbrances. We have to be freed from everything else that's requiring worship from us. We, in his day, it was be freed up from these other gods that are requiring worship from you and are destroying your life. And this is true in our day as well. Tell me that politics is not destroying our lives right now. The God of politics. Tell me that social media is not tearing apart the fabric of our lives. What people think about me, what they say. Paul says, I'm free from all. I am not encumbered by what's going on in the White House. The White House has no bearing on who I am. I'm free from having to look at that and live in fear. I'm free from having to look at that and live in security because I advocate for the person who's in there. I'm free from all. I'm free from all of those things. And so what happens is this, is that in our lives, we become people when we're free from everybody and everything. And politics do not take the ascendancy of of our life and do not sit on the throne of our lives. When sex, money, power do not sit on that throne in our lives, when relationships do not sit on that throne in our lives, when approval does not sit on the, the throne of that life, what takes place is this, is that you are free from all. And I want to tell you something. The only thing that frees you from that is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus has saved you from all of these needs. And so as a result, what we've been talking about is this, is that I want our church to be a place that is free from people who are continually encumbered by the desire to speak out and to get angry about politics. I'm not saying that there aren't positions to advocate for. People groups that we need to advocate for. But what I'm saying is this, is that politics is not the thing. Paul says, I am free from all. And so what? what I, just, I just wanna like redial our minds right now. And I'm talking to Christians. And I, I'm, I'm telling you this, that too many of us in this room do not care about whether people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it is because we are not free from everything else in our life. The gospel has come into your life to free you. And yet we're not free. And what happens is this, is that we go into our culture, we have no desire to share the gospel, or very little, or we're sharing it the wrong way. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying this, for though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant or a slave to all that I might win more of them. He says because of this freedom that I find in the gospel of Jesus Christ what happens is this is that I have as a result made myself a servant. So I am not forced to worship somebody or forced to serve this god of politics sex money power all that stuff. But I am somebody who is a servant to the people around me. Now, I willingly enter into relationship and I serve. It's as though I'm a slave to these people. I'm serving them. I'm serving them. I'm serving them. Let me ask you a question. What would it be like? There's probably 230 people in this room right now, right? What would it be like if 230 people in Salem, Oregon said, my life will consist of the way that I serve people in my community? Even a Democrat. (gasps) Even a people group that I disagree with. Even a Republican. Even somebody who has another sexual preference what if I became somebody who was serving in my community now let let me just comment on that what's going on in our world right now is a direct result of everyone serving their own God and saying it is all about me what transforms the church of Jesus Christ is the gospel And what that means is this. There's only the gospel. There's no other religion. We're not talking about just like, well, we just need to get together and talk. Or we just need to understand one another. Those are good things. But those are not ultimately going to be the resolve for that. It doesn't change things. It doesn't change things. What's going to change things is when we get the gospel and we bring it to our community and we say, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done for us, and as a result, we get to live new lives. And so he says, though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Now, here's the other thing about this is this, is that too often we end up trying to save people without trying to win people. Now, what is winning? The Apostle Paul is all about winning. He says, win five times. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. He is somebody who is constantly winning. That's what he wants. He wants to win someone in relationship. But too often, we as people, as God's people, do not think about how do I create relationship with the people around me. We're not thinking about how am I going to bring somebody into relationship in order to show them the truth about the gospel. Because here's the truth. Sharing the gospel without relationship is useless. When you share the gospel, I, it yes, there are positive things that come out of sharing the gospel in any shape, form, or fashion, right? But when we share the gospel and we choose not to enter into relationship with these people, what happens is this, is that it's a complete turnoff. Why? Because our culture has changed. Ed Stetzer wrote an article just recently where he, he says that the way that evangelism, the way that sharing the gospel used to happen was that there would be mass crusades, these things that Billy Graham would put on and, and so forth, and there would be a gospel call, they would have an altar call, and people would come forward, and many people came to faith that way. I'm not knocking it at all, but I'm saying this, that our culture has changed, and it has gone from believing and then uh, uh, becoming, and then finally belonging in a church, it has gone from that, and now it's, be, it's turned into this, where people have got to belong, They've got to belong, and then they've got to become. They've got to become somebody who's engaged uh, with our church, and they've got to understand what's happening. And then pretty soon what happens is this, is that they end up believing. They find themselves in a place where they say, yes, I believe this. I believe this. But too often what's happening in Christian circles is that we're not working on allowing people to belong in our presence. Because we give them a big stiff arm and we say, you've got to believe the way that I believe before we can be friends. You've got to have the same uh, cultural convictions that I do. But what Paul is saying right here is he's saying, I want to win people. I want to win people into relationship so that I have the opportunity. And to what degree is he willing to go? He says, To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. And stop right there for a second. The Apostle Paul is a Jew. He didn't become a Jew, he is a Jew. Racially speaking, the Apostle Paul is a Jew. So what is he saying? He's saying, I identify so much with Jesus that my nationality, my racial heritage is no longer rooted in my biology, but it's rooted in uh, my spirituality with Jesus. He's saying, I have become all things to all people, and that means that I can go back and I can identify with people that I'm racially a part of, and I can win them, I can win relationship with them, I can go back to where my life used to be and I can engage with those people and I can begin relationship and too often people become Christians and at some points this is a good thing but at other points it's not all of your non-believing friends go away and now you've got a brand new set of friends all, all of that community is gone and now you've got this other community. Now, some of you don't have community, and you come to the church, and you find community for the first time. You're hurting. You're in the, the midst of mess. You're in the midst of problems and issues and all, all kinds of things. And that's what this community is for. But some of you come out of this world, and you come into the church, and then you don't look back and say, who are my friends from high school? Who are those people that I, that I know, that I, that I had relationship with, that I can engage with them? And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, to the Jews I became as a Jew. I know I'm a Jew, but I went back to my people and I, and I communicated with them that I want to have relationship with them. I want to have relationship. I want to engage with them. To what degree is he saying this? Verse 20, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 21. No, verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, what is he talking about there? Okay, in the Old Testament, there's 613 Old Testament laws. And what the Jews believed at that time was that you needed to follow all 613 of those laws. And the rabbis of that day had written something called the Mishnah. Not necessarily of that day, but way back had written something called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah is an explanation of what the law says. And in the Mishnah, there are 36 things that if you do these, you can either be excommunicated or whipped. So you could be excommunicated for blasphemy, which is what they would have thought that Paul was doing. So Paul, a Jew, he's a part of the Jews. He's under the law originally until Jesus saves him. So Paul is somebody who gets saved out of that legalism. He gets saved out of that conservatism in a way. And he comes into life and he realizes that Jesus lives a perfect life. And Jesus accomplishes all of the law. And so as a result, he's not living under the law. He's living in the grace of Jesus Christ. But Paul says this, I want to go back and share the gospel with my Jewish friends and neighbors and co-workers so much that I'm willing to put up with something. So Paul goes in and he starts preaching the gospel. He starts preaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the one who had been foretold, who was prophesied about. The Jews did not believe this. And so when, when uh, Paul starts preaching about how Jesus is God... They say that's blasphemy and so he has two choices either you take the whipping 40 lashes or you're excommunicated and so the easy thing for us is get out of there dude don't get whipped but the apostle paul says in second corinthians he says i did this five times five times he preached the gospel they'd be like that's blasphemy dude either you're out or you get whipped and he says i'm under the law i'll put myself under your law i'll take that beating so that i can share jesus with these people now i just want to ask you something sharing the gospel with your friends how many of us are in a place where you'd say I take the beating. I take the beating. I take the beating any day because th- that's what Jesus has done for me. And when I sing before the throne, I can I can sing it with gusto and I can say because a sinless savior died for me. I I am willing to go and to be whipped. I'm willing to be put under scrutiny. I'm willing to bear this from people. The Apostle Paul is saying, I gave this up. I gave up my freedom so that people would be able to hear the gospel message. I endured hardship so that I could share the gospel. That's what he's saying right there. Let me just tell you, it is hard even today. It is hard even today. He's talking about conservatives right here. The Jews, these people, these would very much be uh, right-wing, Republican. Uh, They would be um, people who are very conservative in their viewpoints. I want to tell you who they are they're a little bit like Westboro Baptist Church sometimes at their worst who stands and protests at soldiers funerals and anything that 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 can infuriate people around the world that's that's the people that he's talking about he said I went to the conservatives to share the gospel and some of you who have liberal leanings, you may have read the gospel, you have some sort of understanding of Jesus. And, and, and maybe you're not very familiar with the church, but you have this understanding of who Jesus is, and, and yet you look at Jesus and you say, I look at these conservatives sometimes, not all of them, but I look at them and I say, that does not match what I see or what I hear or what I think I know about Jesus from the scriptures, and this is absolutely true, this is absolutely true, is that when, when conservative people vehemently attack others, when they're supportive of harmful things happening to people in our communities who don't believe like us, when they're supportive of those things, they are not acting in accordance with what the Apostle Paul says here to do. They're not acting in accordance with who Jesus is. When Christian people can look at the immigration debate and have no compassion, even at risk of allowing terrorists into our communities, even at the risk of of our communities having to spend money on immigrants. I want to tell you that our government, when it serves those groups of people, it is doing God's work. I've, I've said this a couple of weeks ago. I think it's worthy of being stated perhaps every week right now. We are people that must be about serving others who are less fortunate, who do not have what we have even at a cost to ourselves. So a Christian person is somebody who says, I'm so excited about the gospel, and I would get my head blown off or cut off or worse if I went into that country, but they're sending them to us. Let's share the gospel with them. Let's bring them into our home. Let's live with some Muslims. Let's hope that good things happen. But let's put ourselves at risk. And let me tell you where the rub comes. You say that in the midst of a conservative circle, you're going to get whipped. You're going to get whipped. Guys, Paul is free from all. He is free from political leanings. He is free from all of these other attachments. And he's get, he got whipped... And we're going to get whipped as well. So he chooses to put himself under the law. He says, To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. So, what's he talking about here? So, Paul is a conservative Christian not necessarily Republican, but Paul, if he were alive today, he'd be somebody who's conservative and he's a Christian. But what he's saying is, he's saying here, he's, he's saying, I have freedoms in Christ. Like the, the, the old guard that basically said no to all kinds of things, in some respects, it's true. In some respects, what they said is true. And that's why he says, I'm under the law of Christ. I got to act like Jesus did. I cannot enter into sexual immorality. I cannot enter into drunkenness. I cannot enter into things that are clearly sins that we should not be a part of. But what I can enter into is I can enter into relationship with people that do not operate with a moral compass all the time. In fact, they'd say there is no such thing as morality. In fact, morality is a social construct that came from some of our founders Uh, as a country, and so therefore I don't have any of that, and I'm an atheist or whatever it is. So somebody who's a Christian can walk in relationship with someone who's an atheist and have great friendship with them because of this, because they want to have relationship with those people. They want to bring Jesus to those people, and that's why as a church, uh, we, we call them the four hills that we'll die on. We say we want to be gospel-centered. You'll hear us talk about the gospel every single weekend and virtually every song. We want to be gospel-centered with a missional mindset. Meaning, what, what this means is that, is that I'm always somebody who's about reaching people who are outside. I'm always somebody who's saying, I'm, I'm always thinking about how can I bring the gospel into this situation. How, what is my friend dealing with? What are, they, what, what are the problems in their life? What is the God that they are serving? How are they serving that God? How is it tearing apart their life? And so I can go to my friend and I can say, hey man, you post all kinds of pornographic things on, on Facebook, and so as a result, I have to block you, and so I really wonder how your relationship with your wife is. And I wouldn't necessarily say it like that, but I would say this. I would say, I wonder how your wife feels about the things that you're posting. How's your relationship with your wife? How's that going? Oh, things are not going good. I think I know why. (laughs) I think I know why. Let me tell you something. My wife thrives under my encouragement. My wife thrives. When, When I have figured out On occasion how to be encouraging to my wife she thrives and you know what her beauty comes alive to me in another way a whole nother dimension when I make my wife my soul focus because that is what she is when I focus just on her the way that Jesus sets his heart on me As his church, as a part of his church. And he is wholly devoted. He's willing to die for me. He'd give up anything for me. The way that Paul says, I'm willing to give up anything so that I have a relationship. When I do that, when the gospel comes into that relationship, there is beauty beyond compare. There is fulfillment beyond compare. When my wife feels loved. When I bring this in. But when when I go into relationship with my friend the only place that I invite him is to my church that's ridiculous so do you know where I invite him you know where I'm going to invite him been trying to invite him for a long time I'm going to invite him to my house and I am it's a huge surprise right now I'm going to make like some of the most amazing meat I'm shocking right I talk about barbecue a lot if you haven't been here I'm going to make incredible meat, and I'm going to have the best beer. I'm going to have the best wine if he drinks. And we're going to hang out, and we're going to talk about four-wheeling. We're going to look at my old truck. that The four-wheel drive is broken on now, and it feels like it got neutered at this point. But uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about my truck, because we talk about trucks when we get together. And we're looking at how old, rusted out my truck is that I bought when I was 21. But it sits out in front of my house. And I just think back to those days and when me and my wife met. And we went four-wheeling. And we listened to Def Leppard pour some sugar on me. And it was, <laughs> it was like an amazing, like we think back to this moment. It's also the hill where I asked her to marry me. I mean, we're going to talk about that stuff, right? You know, what just happened? What did I just tell you about? I told you about experiences that I had. I told you about what's going on in my life. I told you about the things that I like. And you know what I mean? I'm going to do? I'm going to ask him, like, dude, how'd you guys meet? What was that like? You still go four wheeling? Are you like guns? That's cool. What do, you, what do you like to do on your time off? To those not under the law, I became like one not under the law. I talk about, I'm not sitting here talking about theology with him. I'm not cramming the gospel down his throat. Why? Because I care about his marriage. God cares about his marriage. God cares about your marriage. God cares about people all around us. And Christian people, like if you, if you do not get this reality that God has called you to serve people in and around your life, your old high school buddies, the people you used to go four-wheeling with, the people who you used to go knitting with, whatever you girls do together, all right, yeah. Talk about Pinterest. Um, I don't know what you talk about when you're together, girls, but I know it's very dark and mysterious and uh, we should not know, so just uh, whatever it is that you do, you should do that. One of these days, I'm going to actually find some examples that apply to girls better. My, <laughs> I always get in this position. I should have thought about this before. That's what study is for. And uh, all I can think about is meat and beer and uh, whatever. Um, he says, to the weak, and I want you to look at this. I know we're kind of slowing down here, and, and I just I want you to soak it in. I just want you to soak it in. Paul's, Paul's just really serious. He's just really serious about his desire to see other people come to faith. And he says, to the weak, it's not that he became like the weak, but he became weak, he th- there was somehow that Paul like operated in weakness what, what's that mean like he gave up some money by all accounts it it looks like Paul came from a wealthy family he became weak he gave up those things he became weak. He made time for those people that were in weakness. He identified with them. There was a sympathetic understanding. He was able to see life through their lens. And he he didn't become like them. He became them. I became weak. And I just a weakness is just not something that we are engaged with. The idea of entering into weakness with people around us that are weak is just, it's not something that enters into our mind. And so, the four hills that we'll die on as a church, we want to be gospel-centered with a missional mindset that engages culture. And what that means is that we're not stuck in the cutting edge of the 1950s as a church. But we are a church that says we look at our culture and we say what is the best way to take the gospel to them? How can we communicate to them the truth of God's word because we care about their marriages. We care about who they are. We care that they're suffering in this slavery to drug addiction or to the approval of other people so much so that they are almost willing to take their own life or whatever it is. Like we want to bring healing and wholeness and so we enter into and we become weak because we want to engage with these people, but do you know what happens like when the only thing that you do, when the only thing that you do is you become somebody who's so engaged with Christian culture that you only go to Christian softball leagues and say Christian cuss words like fiddlesticks or, you know, (laughs) crazy things like that. And you never find a way, like, how do I get into these people and become a part of them? How do I know them? How do I actually have a relationship with them so that no matter if they receive Jesus or not, we're friends. I'm committed to them. How do I engage them on this level? How do I become a part of their community? How do I do that? And Paul says this. He says, I do it all I've become a, all things to all people that by all means I might save some. You see, he said, I, 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 I want to win these relationships. And his word for win would be this. I want to gain them. I want to gain relationship with them. I want to have relationship with these people. I want to win them. I want to win them. I want to win them so that... Once I'm friends with them and we have a relationship and they see that my marriage is good and that my life is good and that things are going well, that I can actually be so a part of their salvation story that Paul can say, and I almost hate saying it because Paul is saying that I might save some. Now, we would say God is the one who saves, but Paul is saying this. He's saying, I have a part in this person's salvation story, that I might save some. And he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them and its blessings. So what happens? You create relationship with them. And you sit around your patio fire throughout the summer and you, and you talk and you, and you engage and you, you discuss and you, you do life with them. And then what happens is this, is that when they come to faith, if they ever do, and your relationship cannot be based on them doing that, but if they do, you get to have this incredible blessing. And I don't know if you've ever experienced it, where you begin talking with someone after they come to faith, and, and it's, just, it's just exciting. It's like all of these things are changing. Like I used to have this desire for this, but God gave me this desire for this now. And life is, is, is changing in these ways, or life has gotten difficult, but I'm trusting God. And too many times people don't talk about the fact that, like, when you become a Christian, that's something that Satan doesn't like, and so life's going to get difficult. So we get to talk about this, but we get to engage with God on this level and say, God is sovereign. So whether somebody dies in your family or whatever takes place, you did not have hope before, but now you do have hope that God will be glorified in and through the situations in your life. We get to share in its blessings. And so then Paul says, man, don't you hear me? Aren't you listening? This is not about you. This is not about just you. You've been saved from something for something. Then he says, don't you know that in a race all the runners run but one receives the prize? He's saying, you've got to go after the prize and after the prize and after the prize. And what is the prize? It's seeing people Come to know Jesus. Go after that prize. Because Jesus brings healing to our nation. Jesus is the solution to our political problems. Jesus is the solution for your marriage. Jesus is the solution to everything that's going on in your life. Won't you run after him? Won't you give up everything? Won't you submit to whipping Won't you submit to the discomforts that come from entering into a relationship with people that don't believe the way that you do? Won't you submit to that so that you might save some? Please. Please. Because of this. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians... Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, I want you to think this way. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. We could go on. Jesus humbled himself. He left glory. He left his throne. He left everything that he had to have relationship with you. Jesus left every bit so that he could have relationship with you. And he took on a different form in order to sympathize, in order to understand, even though he already understands, but he wanted to show us that he understands what life is like. He wanted to show us that he knows what pain is like. He wanted to show us that he knows what temptation is like. He wanted to show us that he knows what death is is like and that's what he did when he went to the cross he was saying this is for you this is for you and he goes to the cross and he dies this incredibly brutal death and as a result what he's doing is he's he's saying this won't you follow me Paul says, I'm filling up in my flesh uh, the, the afflictions that are lacking in the death of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, I'm filling up in my flesh. I'm taking on all of these lacking uh, things. What Paul is saying there, he's saying, I am taking on this pain. I'm taking on this suffering. I'm taking on this affliction in order to bring the gospel to other people. Like Jesus did for you and I. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus died to have a relationship with you. Won't you die to win your, your friends? Won't you die? Die to everything that you always think you want to do. Die to your money and to your desire for sexual fulfillment and die to the approval of other people and be free from all people because Jesus did that for you so that you can share the gospel with others. That's what Jesus did. Let's do this for our community. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I think there's there's just a a real great possibility that there's that there's guilt in this room or there's people that feel like maybe that's that's how they're supposed to feel. But Lord, we know that your gospel comes as the healing. Bandage for all of guilt. The Lord, your gospel comes and, 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 and it just heals that. It heals the pain. It causes us to not have to feel like I'm I'm always wrong. I always have something wrong with me. And we, we just get to say, but I'm accepted in Jesus Christ. I'm accepted. He proved it on the cross and through his resurrection. And so, Lord, I'm praying that there'd be no guilt based on a a lack of doing something or, or, or entering into conversations that are not pleasing to you in angry ways with our community. But, Lord, that we would be people who say, you know what? Jesus died for that sin. Jesus went to the cross for that. He wants me to rejoice that he went to the cross. And so that's what I'm going to do. So, Lord, may we take hope in your gospel. And Lord, for those here today that have never received you by faith, Lord, I'm praying that they would say yes to you. And Lord, they may not even know what that means entirely, but Lord, I'm praying that there's a piece of them that says, I want to say yes, but I don't know what to say yes to. And so Lord, I'm praying that you would cause them to just say God, if, if you're real and if that's what you have for me, I want to say yes. If you really can bring healing to my life, if you can bind up the wounds in my family, if you really can heal our nation and heal our world, if one day you will come and consummate all things and you will bring healing and restoration and there will be no more crying and there will, there will be no more pain. And Jesus, when you return, great things are going to take place and we're going to live with you forever. Lord, if that's really you, then I I want to do that. I don't know what that means entirely, but I want to do that. So Lord, I pray that they would say yes to you. I pray that they'd say yes to your gospel. I pray that they'd walk with you. I pray that they would enter into relationship at your church. And Lord, I pray that they would share your gospel passionately with people around